resources. Nothing personal. Word of the day, November 9th, 2021 is resources. I'm talking about not any sort of solid goods that you buy. I need some resources. People resources. We're going to have to put a lot of resources on this. Human resources. That's a department you don't want to be a part of, but every sports team, every company has them. I'm talking about resources that are used by front offices in quotes that are completely inane, meant for nothing personal. Damon Annette is a, was a player for the Raiders. The Raiders have really had a tough go, haven't they? John Gruden, gone. They released Ruggs, who's going to end up going to prison for driving 156 miles an hour while drunk in Las Vegas, gone. Not a great time for the front office. And then the phone call comes in that they have another player who did something. His name is Damon Annette. Damon Annette was a pick in the 2020 draft. And he posted a video. This is, (laughs) I got to take a small detour here. When we see our players for the first time, they come into spring training. And in the old days, and again, you know, I don't, I dislike that expression, but before social media, you don't really spend a lot of time interacting with the players in the off season. The trainer talks to the players by phone. If there are players who are fat and we want to make sure they're not gaining too much weight, we will actually send a trainer to where the player is to do a visual, a sight check on the player. If we have an injured player, we'll bring him to Jupiter and have them work out in Jupiter so we can watch. A lot of the players like to be around Jupiter during the winter because it's nice weather. Who wouldn't want to be in Jupiter, Florida during the winter? So we would have really contact that we would initiate. We wouldn't exactly get calls from players with updates. Hey, I'm going out tonight. Hey, I'm going to Vegas. Yeah, Ricky Nolasco would tell me when I was going to Vegas, but very few other players would. Then social media started, and we had people who would monitor the players' social media. So one of their jobs was to follow all of the players we had, just to make sure, because I never wanted to be blindsided. I wanted to see if I could stop things from happening before they would happen, or at least be ahead of stories that I knew were going to happen. And I was a late adopter to social media. I didn't join until after uh, until October of 2017, once I left the Marlins, because my PR guy, PJ, said, you're just going to get in trouble, so don't do it. And I respected that, but of course, after October of 17, I didn't have to listen to him anymore. But I was very, I looked askance at people who used social media in a way to promote their brand because I didn't think that it was anything other than distracting. And I didn't really spend much time focused on all of the bad things that could happen But I knew enough to monitor it, but I never imagined the way it is now where everything's on video. And of course it was going on five years ago, seven years ago, but it just feels different to me now. And even then we would monitor social media to try to get ahead of stories just so we could be prepared and also look at stories once we were alerted to stories that were gonna be bad so we could figure out what to do, how to deal with it. This guy, Damon Arnett, posted a video basically brandishing a gun and threatening to kill someone. I assume it it was a joke because only someone who's ill would do that. So my first thought was, he's sick, he has a problem. 
and then it occurred to me, what if he's just that way and he's violent and he's actually threatening somebody, which could actually be a crime. And I was picturing the general manager of that team, whose name, by the way, is Mike, who was one of the general managers I had, but not different Mike, Mike Mayock. And I knew that he wouldn't be on the team for five more minutes. And you know, I always am honest with you, I had never heard of him. I didn't realize he was such a high draft pick. I didn't know the backstory of Damon Arnett. So I want to give you a little bit of a backstory as given by the GM when he released the player and did a press conference. So he meets the media. First round pick in 2020's waived. You got to meet the video. So the GM said, very painful decision. Quote, we spent significant time, effort, wait for it, word of the day alert, and resources trying to help him in all aspects of his life. Horse hockey. Over 18 years, we had plenty of players who didn't make it for physical reasons, for mental reasons, even some high draft picks. Like Sean West comes to mind as a pitcher we drafted high, who just couldn't make it mentally. Jeff Allison was a first-round pick we had who we knew had some drug issues, but we thought he was over it, and he ended up not being over it and had no career. Luckily, he's healthy now and is actually a spokesperson for how to throw away a career. He would have been one of the best lefty pitchers we ever drafted. He really would have been. Let me tell you about the resources we use. We speak to coaches, high school coaches, when we draft to get out of high school. We speak to scouts who have been watching the kids since he was in ninth grade. We speak to the family as best as we can. And then we make a decision. These other teams say we give mental acuity tests. We give IQ tests. We have them fill out questionnaires. We make sure the therapists have a look at them. That's a lot of eyewash. What front offices do is they look for the highest upside talent and they assume that once drafted, the players will be fine. So when we say that we spend a lot of resources, we're not being very forthcoming with you. We do that when we wanna pretend that we are all about the mental health of the kid that we're who we're drafting, or we're all about making sure the kid has a prosperous, good life, upstanding citizen. We're really about getting players in who are gonna help us at the major league level or help us perform on the football field. When you draft a player like Arnett, different than in MLB, when you draft a high school kid, you know you've got a few years until he's gonna be the big leagues. In the NFL, when you have a first round pick, guess what? He's on your team the next year. So Mayock's talking about these things, but he didn't stop. And this is the sign of a GM under fire. This is a sign of a GM who needs to explain to his owner, as eccentric as Mark Davis may be, why the Raiders have had some issues recently. So he said there have been a series of bad decisions over the last year or so, 
but we can't stand, we cannot stand for the video of Damon with a gun threatening to take a life. The content was unacceptable, contrary to our values. And our owner, Mark Davis, has been very clear and very consistent that this is not how we will conduct ourselves in this community. The Raiders will not tolerate this type of behavior. From my perspective, he continued. He's a very talented young man with a good heart. He cleans up his life. I know he can make a living in the NFL, but not now, not with the Raiders. What Mayak is basically saying is, listen, we're washing our hands. We see this video when he's threatening life, he's got guns. We're having a string of bad PR. Bad things come in three. They say death comes in three, right? Bad things come in three. We're just wiping the slate clean. Do you know the follow-up that the Raiders will do with Arnett? Zero. Do you know the number of teams who would do follow-up with a player they released for the reason they released him? If it's a off-the-field issue? Zero. The only time you follow up with a player is if you still owe them money and you feel as though you can catch them continuing to do behavior that could violate their contract so you can terminate them for cause instead of without cause, a concept that we've talked about so much on this show. That's the irony of it all to me, right? That we want you as fans to believe that we have a vested interest in these players when they're not at the field. We need you to believe that we care about the community and we want to have members of our team who are great members of the community and upstanding citizens. And the truth of the matter is that if not for social media and video, we wouldn't do a damn thing. You think that our net gets released if there's no video, he doesn't get in trouble, he just has some sort of, the police aren't involved, nothing happens, and he's just sort of a gun-toting nuthatch? Get online for the gun-toting nuthatches who are athletes. But now that everyone's got a camera, now that players are dumb enough sometimes to post things on their own, now that we are in a society where everyone is trigger-happy, pun intended, it has changed the way front offices react. It has changed the runway that we used to have before decisions get made. Now you've got moments to react because if you react late, you get criticized. If you react early and are wrong, you get criticized. But it's always better to err on the side of the woke culture, right? Critical. You don't want to get on the wrong side. Look what happened to Aaron Rodgers as an example. I was all over him, having nothing to do with woke or sleep. But the fact is, the runway is what we think about. How long do I have? You see that in movies a lot, right? How long do we have? How long do I have to live? How long do we have until the bomb goes off? How long do we have until the cops get here? It's always a question that the bad guys ask. I'm not saying the front office is bad guys. I'm just saying that we ask that question a lot. How long? When is it going to be in the news cycle? How long do we have to report back to the reporter who is asking questions about this story that they want to run in tomorrow's paper? Finished. Those days of runway, gone. It's like the Top Gun movie where the planes take off from the ship in the middle of the ocean and all of a sudden they just are in the air. That's the amount of runway that these front offices have. So I don't blame Mayock for doing what he did or saying what he said. But I would like to say that if you're going to end a press conference with a quote that says, 
at the time we thought it was an acceptable risk because Arnett had had character issues in college. We knew that Jeff Allison, as an example, had drug issues in high school. At the time, we thought it was an acceptable risk. After doing more homework on Arnett than anybody, I don't know how he knows that, never talking platitudes like that. We've done it after doing more homework on Arnett than anybody we've done in the years I've been here. So I guess he would know that. He would know how much research he did, but you really would never want to admit that, would you? Anyway, obviously, he said, we missed. And that's 100% on me. Good to take it for the team. I like that. Resources. Careful how you spend them, because when you deplete them, they're gone, and it takes a hell of a long time to grow back if they ever come back at all. Okay. Another NBA team is under fire. Over the weekend, I didn't get to it yesterday, but I couldn't go another minute without discussing this story. The president of basketball operations for the Portland Trailblazers, doesn't matter who he is, his name is Neil Olshee, but just pretend his name is John Doe. The Trailblazers got word. This is how it works now in business. You get word that there's a problem in the organization. You get word that there is misconduct taking place. There's concern. This is the key word. We've got concern about the workplace environment. So everyone knows, because you watch Nothing Personal and listen to it. Thank you for doing that. What do you do when someone brings up a workplace environmental concern? Say it with me on three. Just all together, we're going to do it. This big studio audience I'm in front of, say it with me. One, two, three. Commence investigation. Yes. Oi. The Portland Trailblazers had to release a statement saying that we were recently notified of concerns around workplace environment by non-player personnel at the practice facility. In response, we immediately engaged blank and blank. Who cares? Oh, Melody and Myers. Doesn't matter what the name is. Do we cheat him and how? That's who they engaged. An outside firm with significant expertise in this area to conduct a full, fair, and independent review. Let me stop you there, Portland, and for all the teams who now have to commence an immediate investigation. One, it's not going to be full because you want to get an answer quickly. Two, it's definitely not going to be fair, either to the people who complained or to the person who was complained about. I promise you that. Three, independent, no chance, toilet pants, that any of these investigations are independent. Do you think that the Portland Trailblazers owner, Jody Allen, who got it from her husband, Paul Allen, who passed away, sadly. Do you think that the, ind- that the investigation is done? The law firm writes a paper and then releases it, and the Trailblazers or the company who hired them gets to read it for the very first time when you do? <laughs> it's funny to me. Independent. Negative. Anyway, it's an outside firm with significant expertise in the area. That's good. While we cannot comment on this pending matter, we are committed to continuing to build an organization that positively impacts our colleagues, communities, and the world in which we live and play. These statements are awesome because they're all the same. And by the way, don't ever say in a statement that you can't comment on something when there's no legal matter 
This is just a workplace situation. Of course you can comment. You can choose not to comment. It's not like when someone's after you, like the Department of Justice or the SEC, and they're coming right after you. And you say, oh, I can't comment because my lawyer said all that could happen is you'll get in trouble. Of course you can comment when you're doing it. When you engage the firm, you can have a comment that explains why you engage it. And by the way, for all of you lawyers out there, I have a suggestion for you if you're looking for business. Do you know what's really hot right now? And I mean H-O-Triple-T. Ready? Say that you are an expert in independently investigating workplace environments. If you're looking to hang a shingle, get a business card right now and say, I'm an investigator. Get a badge, show your badge, and say, this is what I'll do. I'll interview everybody, and I will be able to evaluate exact, you know what, Coca? Time out. I think we may leave CBS. This could be breaking news, not for where you think. Coca, do you want to start doing outside investigations for front offices? Because you could do it. All you got to do, well, you'll have to leave your house, actually. You'd actually have to get dressed. And then you'd have to, oh, <laughs> Coca just whispered in my ear, can I dress like Sherlock Holmes? Yes. Even with the, what's it called when you stick a thing in your eye? A mono lens, a monocycle, a monoclef, a monoclay. You put the monoclay on your eye. You walk into the front office of a sports team and you say, hello, my name is Starling Murloc. Do you remember Starling Hitchcock? Was it Sterling Hitchcock, the pitcher? Sherlock John Holmes is my name, and I'm here to investigate the size of the problem because it looks to be about they big. Do that one more time because that was funny. Get on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Samson if you want to see what I'm doing. Start it already. 6, 9, 69. My name is Sherlock John Holmes, and we're here to investigate something that is yay big. <laughs> Now, I'm not making light of the fact that all these law firms are purported experts in this, but I'm a lawyer, and I know how law firms open areas of practice. They bring in somebody who's done something before. If you want to open a practice in workplace harassment, you hire someone who has somehow been in a workplace where there's been harassment. Who's a lawyer? And you give them a partnership. You let them hire an associate, and you say, hi. My name is O'Blossen and O'Blazen, and we are ready to work for you for $800 an hour or a flat fee of $350,000. We will do a full, fair, and independent investigation of your front office and not release one thing until you tell me what to do, and frankly, you could write it for me. If you write your own reports, we'll only charge you $250,000. If you tell us what you want to be in the report, will only charge you $150,000. <laughs> it would actually be the opposite, right? If you think about it, if you get hired and you want to have credibility and you want to report back to Mark Davis that, hey, everything's great. It's like the Daniel Snyder report. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, we went through the emails and yeah, you got some problems. Do me a favor, Dan, next time, don't ask for nude shots of the calendar girls. Hey, and, and the Raiders, you know, try to just see if you're hiring people who are lascivious, and salacious, and are going to get you in trouble. Hey, Sandy Alderson, here's my report. Um, you may just want to see who you're hiring and just know that you may get unlucky if they drink and drive, right? I mean, you can do whatever 
digging you want, spend whatever resources you want, like the first story of today's show, and you could do resources for someone who's pristine, and then they have an accident, make a mistake, and all of a sudden, your resources were wasted. So do you know how to find these law firms? Coke and I were talking about this before the show, and he was like, how do you do that, right, if I want to do that? So we sort of planned this bit where we were going to leave nothing personal and become in the outside investigators, he said to me, you know, how do these law firms, how do they get hired? Do you know how many calls I would get as president of a team from different sorts of law firms, PR firms, marketing firms? It's not like people are hard to find. Then as you've been in a business for a long time, you have connections that you make. It's called networking. So when you open a practice in your firm and you want to be hired by teams because this is the world we're in where teams are doing investigations every month in Gdansk, it literally happens twice a week. We have teams that announce, oh, we've got to start an investigation. So you use your connections and you become one of the menu of accepted firms. We would get a list from baseball. It's like the second uh, opinion doctors when players are hurt and under this collective bargain agreement, if players don't want to go to your doctor, your team doctor, you can force them to, but they're allowed to get a second opinion. But second opinions have to come from a menu of approved second opinion doctor doctors. So these leagues have law firms they've worked with. Teams have law firms they've worked with. Teams have owners, presidents, are traveling in those circles. So it's very incestuous. Everyone knows everyone. But if you want to break into it, the best way to break into a business, and I get asked this a lot, if you want to break into sports, and by the way, you know I'm the beneficiary of nepotism. I've always been honest about that. But I've always made connections. I've always had reasons for point of contact with other people. So when I want something, it's not the first time I'm calling them. So I'll wish people a happy birthday when I know it's their birthday. Or if I've met someone and I know they have an interest in fall foliage, I'll take a picture of a tree during fall and send it and say, hey, thinking of you, it's a nice foliage tree. Then the next time I can say, hey, I need an appointment right now because I can't move my thighs after running. I need a massage right now. Oh, you're not busy? Great, thank you. That's sort of how to get in with networking. It's called networking, folks. You can do it. I promise. Okay, Coca, where do you want to go? You know what? Play the music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. You know what I want. So you want to talk to Samson. If you haven't seen the movie Half-Baked and you do nothing personal, Coco, we're doing well because I'm getting more and more DMs from people who are new to the show and they're asking questions and they're wondering, will it ever appear in a show? Will I respond? And then when I do respond on DM, they're surprised, but I don't respond to everyone because I can't. It's not that I don't read them. I really read almost every DM I get still, Coco. And it really does help doing that in the middle of the night. Let's the brain go right to sleep. Not. So that's from the movie Half-Baked. Samson's a character. Get into my DM. Follow me on Twitter, David P. Samson. Did you see the video I posted, Coca, about the elite women who passed me during the marathon? I don't know if you saw that one. I posted that last night. You may have been watching football. And uh, I don't know why I just mentioned that. Oh, because being passed by the elite women was funny. They're so good. Anyway, so get on Twitter, David P. Sampson. It's a fun follow. We have fun. I'm not splitting the atom. I'm not curing cancer, unfortunately. I'm trying to raise money to cure cancer, but 
personally, I'm not doing it. I'm just using it to have fun. Someone said, hi, David. Hi. Whenever a player publicly admits that he wants to stay with his team before becoming a free agent, beside the cons, like the team having the leverage to offer whatever just because you want to stay, are there pros for the player to admit it publicly? I love that question. So I often had players who would say, yeah, I want to stay. Do you know why I've had players who say they want to stay? Find me a free agent to be in any sport who doesn't say publicly, oh, yeah, I like it here. I want to stay here. They all say it. Do you know why they say it? Not because they think they're going to get more money. They say it because what the agents, it's part of the agent playbook. You never want to upset your fan base, your local fan base. And once in a while, we're going to catch a live one. It's like fishing. When you cast your net or your line, and then you have a worm or whatever you have, and you get a nibble but no fish, and, and I don't fish, by the way, but so I'm imagining this, visualizing this. You pull your fish hook out. You put it back. You cast it again. You throw the line again. What's the object of the game? The object is to catch a fish. Players do this too. Except imagine fishing in an ocean where there's only 30 fish. Well, that sort of sucks, right? Because you have to be in the right place, the right part of the water, the right depth, the right level, and there better not be a lot of other fish or people around you. Because if there are, you may be putting your, dipping your wick into an empty chamber. God, that's a mixed metaphor. Players have 30 teams they can sign with. Of course they're going to say they want to be with this team or that team, the team they're with, because it's always easier to get a preemptive offer from a desperate owner. A preemptive offer from a desperate owner is an owner who will overpay. I've seen it, been a part of it, much to my chagrin, but it happens to all of us, where you're going to get an extra year or an extra amount of money on an annual basis that you're not going to get from someone who doesn't know you or someone who's not desperate to have you. Desperation is what every player seeks. Desperation in an owner. It, it, it's like gold. And the problem is, as front office people, sometimes we manifest that desperation publicly. Sometimes the agents know exactly where to cast the line. Sometimes it works. But even if it doesn't work, there's no reason not to throw it in the water, right? So one of the examples that's happening right now is Javi Baez. Javi Baez was traded for by the Mets at the deadline from the Cubs. Javi Baez had that issue when he, did he give the finger to someone in the stands? There was something that he did, some expression that was unfortunate that I'm totally forgetting, Coca. And Lindor took part in it as well, and then they had to apologize. Thumbs down. They did a thumbs down to the fans who were booing them for whatever reason. That's correct. But then he made up for it. He had a decent September, and Javi Baez said, hey, yeah, of course I'd like to stay here. Oh, really? Shocking. What about Freddie Freeman? 
How, first of all, how would Javi Baez know that he wants to stay? I always like that when you trade for a guy. They're with you for a month and a half. And they love it so much. They had such a great experience. Oh, this was the best clubhouse I've ever been in. Oh, I love the city. I love my housing situation. My family's comfortable here. What a great school system. I want to stay. Oh, you're only offering me three years at 15 a year? My God, do I like the neighborhoods in Philly. Oy, are they great. And that public school system in Denver, it's to die for. I'm not saying players are disingenuous, except players are disingenuous, and I would be too. Oh, I think nothing personal has to be on this platform. You have no idea how great it is. With your promotional support, we are to the moon, Alice. <laughs> so Freddie Freeman has been with Atlanta his whole career, so that's different than Javi Baez. Freddie Freeman is coming off a world championship. Freddie Freeman is a free agent. Freddie Freeman has been the face of the franchise through the rebuild and now the face of the franchise when they've won the championship. Freddie Freeman gave a speech at the parade that was good, but nothing like sort of the Pat Riley speeches like, see you next year, we'll be here next year, we're going to win it again. He was very complimentary of the front office, very complimentary of the trade deadline pieces that we've talked about in this show that helped the Braves win the championship, the World Series. Everyone assumes Freddie Freeman's going to sign with Atlanta. He's playing at 33 years old, and I've got a little nugget for you. Atlanta is going to overpay Freddie Freeman because their ownership recognizes that following the World Series, there is not one chance they can get rid of him. The Cardinals won a World Series with Pujols and let him go. Did it work out for the Cardinals? It definitely did. When you sign one of your own players after a championship, it may not work out. Do you remember we let Pudge Rodriguez go after we won the World Series in 03? We let him go because we did not think that he would have the ability to continue to be a productive catcher and a productive member of our team. And on top of that, we would not be able to allocate the payroll correctly to pay him what he thought he owed, what he deserved. Freddie Freeman today, forget what everybody else has paid. We value players not just where they fit in the market, but in our view, where they are as a percentage of overall payroll. So each player gets marked to market our market, and then we mark them to market of the outside market. And then when those match, we have a good chance to sign the player. When there is a difference in the markets, that's when we know we have a problem. So for example, when we value a player at $30 million, but we have a payroll of $60 million, we know that we cannot sign that player because he can't represent 50% of our payroll, number one. Number two, we know that he's not gonna take under 30 because he's a $30 million player. The most we've ever had a player make is 25% of payroll, and that was too much. If you have a player making 15% of payroll, that's a lot. So just take, let's say, Stanton at $30 million when your payroll is $220 million right? That's a percentage that can work. But that's why Stanton couldn't stay on the Marlins, right? You can't have 30 of 60. So Freddie Freeman, in my opinion, is a $23 million player for the next two years, and then a $15 million player for the third year, and then a $10 million player for the fourth year. He's a declining asset. All players are declining assets. Frankly, we're all declining assets. 
So I would have him at 46 plus 66 plus, say, $81 million over four. Let's just say that's what I would have him at. $20 million AAV. My payroll in Atlanta is going to be 160. I can afford 20 out of 160. But the disconnect is Freddie Freeman does not view himself as a $20 million player right now. He wants to take this World Series, take the desperation of the hometown favorite World Series, keep me. He's going to want five or six years at that same 23 or 24, $25 million per year. So Freddie Freeman is going to go for 150 over six, let's say, 25, 50, 75, 100, 125, 150, 150 over six. That could be what he goes for. And Atlanta is not going to be happy with that at the end, and they're not going to have the guts to say no. So your question is, are there pros for the player to admit it publicly? No, not really. They all do it. Are there cons for a team? No. Because if you're going to succumb to the cologne of desperation, it had nothing to do with what a player publicly said. Okay, when we come back, we're going to review another movie that you told me to watch. And then we're going to talk vitamins. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Samson. I watch a movie every day. We review movies every day. We'll tell you what to watch, what not to watch. I love getting the suggestions. Someone got on my Twitter, David P. Sampson, and said, watch a documentary. And you know I love documentaries. I'll watch any kind of movie. I've got a list as tall as I am, which some of you would say, well, that's not a long list, but it's a pretty long list of movies. I don't watch horror. So don't suggest horror for me. Not going to do it. This was a documentary someone said to watch from a few years ago called Who Killed Garrett Phillips. I'd never heard of Garrett Phillips. I'd never heard of the documentary. It's on HBO Max. Garrett Phillips was a 12-year-old in upstate New York who got strangled to death. This three-hour documentary may seem overwhelming to you. It's a three-hour documentary. They split it into two parts, 80 minutes the first part, 103 minutes the second part. That used to feel overwhelming. Everyone would complain, right? This movie's three hours long. We can't sit through a three-hour movie. Oh, that's a three-episode limited series? My God, that's so short. I could binge that in one night, no problem. It's all perspective, folks. So I saw the three-hour documentary, didn't think anything of it, pressed play, boom, banged it out all in a row. Not an issue. Here's why I'd like you to watch it and why it's worth your time. When children are killed, and this kid was strangled to death, we require blame. We require accountability, and we need it fast. And the reason we need it fast is that we don't want to believe that there's a killer on the loose who could harm our children. We need to be able to point to someone and say, you're a bad person. You did something that I can't even imagine being done in my home to my child. You're put away. I don't have to think about it. It happens in every district community, city, county, and state. That's why serial killers on the loose are the biggest, worst nightmare, right? Oh my God, I got to stay inside. There's a serial killer. We're going to catch someone. Did they do it? I, I, they said they did it. That means they did it. 
the district attorney up there in upstate New York basically committed prosecutorial misconduct because they so desperately wanted to assign blame and assuage the concerns of the community and of the mother of this child. And I'm not going to ruin how it ends except to say I have such deep feelings of turmoil. I really have this. I got to take a few minutes on this coke. I know we don't have time, but I have to. I am, as a lawyer, I understand innocent until proven guilty. As a lawyer and a U.S. citizen, I understand everybody's constitutional rights, though we may interpret some amendments differently. I understand exactly the framework and the rules of engagement. But I also understand that sometimes things happen in my life where I lose my center. It's like a strong gust of wind comes and the compass starts turning around. If something were to happen to one of my children or if something were happening in my community where I didn't feel safe, I would react the exact same way where I wanted immediate justice. I wanted someone to be blamed. I wanted someone arrested. I would want, I would want someone in prison. And I struggle with that because when it doesn't affect me personally, I try to show empathy for those people who are impacted, but I'm able to view it not through the lens of immediacy. So I'm watching this documentary, both viewing it as an outsider, but imagining me as an insider. It is an incredibly difficult conflict to have with not a very good answer. Anyone who tells you they figured it out, they're just lying to you. They want to appear they're totally put together. I like that when people say, if that happened to my child, I'd immediately kill the person. You don't know what you would do in a situation. You just don't. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. Were you nervous when it was, we had the Bears yesterday and they weren't scoring much and you thought Big Ben was going to do well because the Bears stink and I said, there's no way the Bears should be getting seven because I've been off the Steelers since the beginning of the season. We have a way to see that the Steelers are not going to make the playoffs. Of course, the Bears covered. We're 146 and 131. Bears lost, by the way, but they covered. All right, we're going to the NBA tonight. What happened to the Atlanta Hawks? Is Jamie Gertz going to be back at the lottery again? Remember Jamie Gertz, the actress who's always at the lottery because the Hawks are always in the lottery. Then they got Trey Young and they made it all the way. Where did they make it last year? They made it pretty far, I think. I want to say the conference semis. And they were expected, they were one of the deep teams that all of the experts said, oh, these guys, these are finals contenders. I could have been a contender. Meanwhile, I don't know if it's sophomore jinx. They're just playing like crap. They got rocked last night, and they're only getting seven and a half from the Utah Jazz. I'm not sure of any load management issues, but I love it. Utah minus seven and a half over the Atlanta Hawks. Give me that. Something happened in the NBA last night that, that struck me. If you haven't seen the video, check it out. 
Did you see the Joker on Denver? Denver was playing the Heat, and Nikola Jokic is going down the court. He's going up to take a shot, and one of the Miami Heat players, Morris, banged into him in a way that was wholly inappropriate and would have been a flagrant foul, in my opinion. And it was sort of a... He didn't take his legs out because that's dirty, but he just sort of banged into his midsection. Check out the video. And Jokic then turned around and pushed him very hard in the back in a very inappropriate retaliation and got in significant trouble, and he's been getting crushed right now. And I want to say that... uh, I don't know how to explain to our players, and I tried. It's like what you learn in elementary school. That great book, Everything I Need to Know, I learned in kindergarten. You never want to be the second person because that's the person who always get in trouble. You never want to return the hit, right? And it sounds like you're supposed to protect yourself. You don't want to get bullied in the playground. Your parents teach you that. I mean, I was too small to ever be taught that. I, you know I've never thrown a punch or been punched in my life. Not once. With this mouth. Not once. But Jokic got in trouble, and he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have done what he did. But you have to hold the Heat player accountable as well. And now, one thing that I tried in baseball, and I really think is going to happen in sports more than it does now, With all of the video availability, with all of the replay availability, I think it's time for the instigator to always get in more trouble than the retaliator. I think it should be a rule because we've got cameras, we've got eyes on you. And if we see that you started it, no matter what is done to you in return, even if it's 10 times worse, you're gonna get in more trouble. Because but for what you did, you would not have had anything done to you. Let's do that. That's it, Coca. Peace out. We're going to talk about tomorrow all of the MLB award finalists because I have a funny story about that. So tune in tomorrow. Thank you for your time. I don't take it for granted. It's just business. Ritual Vitamins. It's just business. Ritual Vitamins. Backslash nothing personal. 10% off. It's just business. It's nothing personal.